folks, this is Kai McKenzie here, uh, here with Zane Tomich with Shadow of the Glass. Thanks everybody for joining us. Got a really good friend of mine on the podcast today. It's been in the works for a long time. We've we've done some work together in the past for uh, for obvious things that we'll get into later on. But um, ladies and gentlemen, this is Kai McKenzie. Kai, you lead the floor with your introduction, buddy. Right on, right on. Well, um, I suppose I might as well give uh, the audience a sense of who I am. Um, I am a professional voice actor and writer for a variety of projects. Um, I do mostly voice acting for animations and video games and some audio dramas. Um, the biggest projects as of recent would be Hunter the Parenting by Alpha Busa and the uh, Poppin' Gang. And then there is Negative Atmosphere done by Soundscore Studios, of which I am the creative director for and lead voice actor. So, uh, yeah, those are the two biggest ones, but there's a few others in there, here and there. So yeah. That's great, man. So you're, you're a freelance voice actor, and um, we, we understand what, what that entails when it comes to freelancing. Um, uh, it can be a bit of a hustle sometimes. I know that I do that as well uh, on the side, um, not to the same extent as you do, obviously, but I do credit you for bringing me into that industry because it was something of interest, and it's a very creative field. And it's really uh, interesting to explore, especially if you like video games. I know we're both big video game buffs. Um, tell us, how did you get started in that industry? How do you? How does one get started as a voice actor in their basement, even for example? Like, because we all—that's where we all start, right? Like, yeah, some of us. Um, there's a few routes you can go to, towards uh, voice acting. Some people go for voice actor tutorship schools and the like, um, which are valid options some people are from the ground up sort of like me where and zane here of course too um the way that i started years and years ago was where i was working for a command and conquer generals mod um called rise of the reds which was made oh goodness it was first the projects first started like 2006 but i didn't come aboard it till about 2013 2014 i was just fresh out of high school sort of thing. I was working a sheet metal job and kind of just surviving in what was the, uh, still is, the uh, crazy Albertan economy and whatnot. And it was just sort of like a hobby at first. I had a Blue Yeti microphone way back then, which, um, you know, it kind of proliferated throughout the years as a very popular microphone. But uh, not to sound like a total hipster here, but just... I. I had the Blue Yeti before it blew up sort of thing, but um, I've since advanced from microphones like that, but I was voice acting um, a variety of uh, units, uh, Command & Conquer being like a strategy game uh, series. Uh, you, like, you build a base, you build units, and then you send those units to basically just uh, go uh, kill your opponent sort of thing. Are strategy so, games like still very popular? I know that... I've played games like Clash of Clans and stuff like that. Is that something that people kind of gravitate to, especially like when it's at the touch of their phone these days? Um, there are phone RTSs. A lot of RTSs probably, um, and strategy games in general, are mostly concentrated on uh, PC, I would say, is the most popular. But there are some console and phone uh, games like Clash of Clans. Um, some big ones that have, like, resurged in recent years for rts would probably be age of empires 2 it came out with the definitive edition you have age of empires 4 coming out there is um all sorts of games like civ uh 
like game like Civilization Six and Civilization Seven was announced. There's Company of Heroes Three, which is recent. So, I would say that RTS and strategy games have. Um, a lot of people were afraid that the genre was going to die out, but I'd actually say that it's kind of coming back into like a bit of a RTS renaissance now. It's starting to come back. So. Hmm. Yeah, you think of video games and, and the strategy aspect behind it, but you also think about the board games that we played too, you know, like Risk or something like that, okay. and it, where it requires some thought. So, I mean, I guess our origins of, of gravitating to strategy could be credited to maybe board games and to see it translate now to um, to the screen, to, to the TV screen that you play video games on, it's kind of interesting with technology and how that changes. Absolutely, and a lot of, um, the funny thing is, is that a lot of, popular board games like uh, Sellers of Catan, um, Risk, for example, do have digital variants. A lot of tabletop uh, war games such as Warhammer 40k, um, Frostgrave, all sorts of different ones. Um, even things like pen and paper RPGs um, like Dungeons and Dragons and Stars Without Number and all sorts of different uh, RPG systems out there. Um, they have uh, translated pretty well uh, to online because um, with digital variants, a lot of things that uh, would take time for setup and uh, passing cards along can be automated. Um, a lot of games like the Civilization series, uh, Sid Meier's Civilization, can um, really uh, automate a lot of the stuff, and uh, you can get some pretty advanced mechanics going. Is there a particular style of game that the industry is sort of gravitating towards, or even video gamers um whether it's like a third person shooter or a first person shooter like what's the um the formula if there is one that developers are looking for um it kind of varies between um the different genres like uh, for example negative atmosphere is a survival action stealth horror game so it's kind of got its homages to uh, dead space the last of us even metal gear solid a little bit with the uh, stealth action components but um, generally speaking, the biggest trend I'd say is that um, as far as games go is that the rise of indie developers has been a huge thing on the market, has been a huge thing with development in general because you're seeing independent studios, a lot of them working remote nowadays, especially since COVID's happened, especially since a lot of uh, production uh, costs and stuff can be mitigated for people just working at home in their offices um negative atmosphere for example is completely remote and you're seeing a a revolution an explosion of different games and people are crowdfunding these games and i would say the formula nowadays is not that triple a games are on their way out far from it but there is a reasonable competitor from smaller independent studios, and we're starting to see the rise of that in some very innovative mechanics in all sorts of games, from shooters to RPGs, uh, strategy games, to uh, even just something simple as like Fall Guys or even Among Us. It was uh, pretty, um, like a lot of the things, uh, they take basic concepts, but they make it very marketable. Like uh, little games like that, they might rise and fall with their popularity, but they can expand really fast and it's just through social media and grassroots type stuff that's cool i also noticed games making a resurgence after many years being on the cupboard a little bit like resident evil they're getting all kinds of different remasters it looks like oh yeah absolutely um there was the dead space remaster resident evil as you mentioned 
there is the new game um, that the former developers of uh, Dead Space are making, which is called the Callisto Protocol. Um, one could say that it's competition for negative atmosphere, but I would say that the overall design intents and storylines differ for each of these games. And um, as it stands, um, I don't know too much about the Callisto Protocol. They keep it very much under wraps. Um, I have my own speculations on it, of course, but uh, they are merely that speculations. Um, as far as negative atmosphere goes, uh, it'll have some pretty... Um, the best way I could compare the gameplay is uh, probably like a sort of like a love child between Metal Gear Solid, The uh, Last of Us, and Dead Space is probably the best way to put it. Um, and it has uh, some unique systems that will be with it as well. Very cool. And I'm glad you brought up Negative Atmosphere. This would be a good time right now to give it a plug. So do you want to tell the audience, Kai, about, about that project you're working on, Negative Atmosphere, and where they can find that really like badass trailer that you showed me months back? <laughs> yeah, for sure. So we have uh, our trailer and other content um, uploaded on YouTube. Uh, we also have a Discord and a Patreon. I'll be supplying Zane, uh, Zane here with the links to all of these. Uh, we have developer logs and we have um, the trailer as Afer mentioned. Um, in general, we post uh, updates to our patrons and to our Discord uh, regularly, uh, almost daily really. Uh, and our patrons get exclusive access to uh, betas and demos of our game. So you can actually physically play um, uh, different, uh, what's, uh, what's the word for it? Vertical slices and demos and the like. So if, you, uh, if anyone's interested in supporting our development, um, we do have the Patreon open. And uh, yeah, we've, our loyal fans have carried us very far. We have a budding little community there. And uh, some pretty creative folks there too uh renault gaming is a big channel that supports us as well uh he's on youtube he's uh i think he's in uh he's getting a doctorate for some such uh something biological but he's a pretty clever fellow he has lots of reviews of like horror games and like the biology and anatomy of like monsters and mutants and all that sort of thing that's one thing i can really appreciate when i'm playing like uh, like an rpg game of some sort like mass effect for example mm -hmm. um the lore behind it somebody had to create that all the races all the, the the technology all the different aspects of the cultures that you explore in that game that came from somebody's mind you know mm -hmm. it's just brilliant you need that really to have like a massive game that's gonna be believable and take off when you say yeah i would say so um as far as documentation goes for games, that's a big aspect that I handle personally, is um, writing for settings and storylines. Um, as I found over the years as a voice actor, um, the biggest thing is, uh, we were talking a little bit earlier, um, it might have been a bit off camera, but we were mentioning diversity as a strength when it comes to skill sets. Doesn't matter if you're working sheet metal or if you're working at Timmy's or at some sort of job, if you can diversify, whether it's streaming or if it's voice acting or art or anything like that, something creative or hell, even just something like practical, like some people got into carpentry over COVID and stuff and all sorts of things. But um, as a voice actor, I found it was more lucrative to expand my uh, portfolio with writing and stuff. And part of that is writing mythos and stuff. And as far as negative atmosphere goes, um, 
Um, obviously, I had a lot of help with from the team, uh, such as the art director, Anita, and the CEO, Calvin. Um, our QA guy, Jeff, is a very clever guy. He's very technical-minded, knows a lot of things about weapons and all sorts of things. Um, and, and Gail, our, our main audio head, is... Um, he has made a brilliant soundscape. So he's uh, all of these people have brought writings that I've made, and uh, they've looked it over, and then they've brought all of these things to life. And then with me and the other voice actors, we bring the characters to life. And obviously I'm talking very quiet right now, but the things we do ain't quiet, <laughs> just to say the least. Just take that trailer, for example. Yeah, a lot the, of, the teaser trailer. A lot of bloody screaming. A lot of... <laughs> I don't, I, I'm curious. What's what's your um, policy on curse words and other stuff on uh, podcast here? Is it pretty chill? Is it... Uh, I was pretty tame, like for the at least the, the first twenty some episodes or so. And like, I mean, I'm not like a like, like a like a swearing chimney here. It's just like it's just a natural tone of of language that humans speak. So, yeah, this app, this 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 podcast is definitely leaning towards a little more just kind of loose relaxed language so i mean if you need to swear like you can get it out <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm not too much of a gutter mouth but like i say that and uh i'm just kind of thinking back on things but in general um yeah like a whole lot of a lot of curse words uh, said in those trailers and like which makes sense is life or death situations um that's just it though right yeah. like it makes it believable because mm-hmm. who wouldn't be swearing their tail off in a terrifying situation such as that like getting chased by a giant monster mm-hmm. uh, i'd be saying holy fuck you know I, I, that's what i'd be doing like yeah. that's that's why video games are good for that and they bring voice actors like yourself to bring that to life to make us believe you <laughs> yeah absolutely and the thing is where i think video games have become such a prolific thing with us is because uh Aside from escapism, it allows us to witness stories to kind of put up points of like controversy or discussion and stuff. Um, I can tell you a little bit about the setting, actually, if you're inclined. Please do, man. We're dying to hear this. Like, I, this is all yeah. fascinating to me. So yeah. So as far as negative atmosphere goes, um, I am under some NDAs, and just to kind of give the audience a bit of a education here, non-disclosure agreements. They're um, contracts basically where like i gotta watch a little bit what i say here so no uh, i'm not gonna give too too much but i'll give a little bit most of this is uh pretty much public info but um negative atmosphere is set in the far uh future about uh, two centuries ahead in the 2200s it takes place on the trh rusinov tank rainer holdings um rusinov and the Rusinov was like an old battleship of the sorts of the United Earth Space Nations, which is this big hegemonic government that controls all the different planets. Um, humanity kind of expanded after out into the stars. Um, Earth's history, as in real life, was rough. Um, there was a lot of exodus of people trying to get, uh, it was overpopulated, you name it. Um, and... Uh, Generally speaking, um, there's a lot of um, instability going on in that setting. And the game follows for the perspective of Dr. Samuel Edwards, a man who once served in the uh, military, um, left it after a uh, conflict, of which I shall not name for now. 
but he left it and for the last like 30 odd years he's been a practicing uh, doctor um and he relatively recently came aboard the rusinov and uh started acting as its chief medical officer but um part way into the voyage uh things started happening strange uh some sort of strange uh phenomena happened where members of his own crew started to mutate things are going airy with machinery and all sorts and the cause is unknown all that is known is that the whole situation is beyond fucked it is beyond saving and survival is the paramount concern for the good doctor and to quote one of our slogans survival is not guaranteed Ooh, yeah. very big ominous notes where he's like oh you know just but you described that so well because i'm picturing the trailer in my head because i've seen the trailer and people that are listening to the episode right now like you will feel the same uh when you see that trailer so <laughs> really good description by the way like you're such a good storyteller that's what you really need to be a uh, a, a good creative person in this field i'm sure um it's it's a process you know it doesn't happen overnight to to bring this type of project to life like i know you and i were talking about this uh, a long time ago like mm. like it's it doesn't that doesn't happen like instantly like you need a, a team behind you and you need a lot of creative people um obviously your character is the main character that you're voicing mm. yep. right on it's kind of funny with negative atmosphere too because like it's i find that um as far as uh Getting into projects, um, just kind of segueing to a different subject here with voice acting in general. Um, relating back to diversification is that I just when I first went to Negative Atmosphere, I just enlisted as a voice actor. I just asked, them, "Hey, you got a character that I need to voice?" And from there on, I negotiated, and then I just kind of stepped into the role. It was kind of like an organic mutation growth thing, and makes kind of sense given the context of the game but did, did you already have like an established resume when you approached them or were you still relatively new in the industry oh i was pretty established um by the time uh, negative atmosphere rolled out um like it's uh, development where i latched onto it i had, had i had voiced in a few a good few professional projects at that point but the nature of like how i operate as a voice actor and a lot of freelancers these days, especially remote, like ground up type guys, um, and some like voice actor tutor people end up like this too, because sometimes the industry just does not pan out for people. I know people went into radio college and it just, it just didn't work out for them. It's not the type of environment they enjoyed, uh, needless to say. But um, for me, uh, it's just really a sense of just organically approaching people directly usually um if i have to go through some sort of application process and emails i'll usually just bunk out of that and like sometimes i get a hit sometimes i won't but like most times the greatest success is just directly talking to people granted you have to have a little bit of discretion on that because just randomly approaching someone with your stuff can you know they might ignore you they might not but i let my work speak for myself i link my website usually it has demo reels and i'll usually link like a few videos of things and i just keep it pretty brisk pretty informal but to the point 
concise, right? And that's how I've went about it. And then just through discussion usually and a little bit of shimmy shamming and conversations and chicanery uh, one way or another, uh, I expand my role in a project and that's usually what gets the bread and butter going with uh, income and stuff. But yeah. It's ironic that you bring that up because I think I see a recurring theme happening here with anybody who I interview and, and they're in business, whether it's for themselves or for a company. Um, at the end of the day, success falls on being able to approach people and talk to people, which is a fundamental aspect of doing business still today in a technologically dominated world. Mm. We're just doing it in different forms, essentially. Yeah. So to, to know that that's still a very key ingredient to having success uh, as a business person it's pretty valuable knowledge. Yeah, and honestly, like, I, I've often said that I'm a working class voice actor because, you know, I didn't come from a rich background or nothing, but not that I got anything against different peoples of social strata, whatever you want to call it. But as far as um, social communication, we're social creatures. We, we adapted and we evolved as a social species. And... Honestly, um, as far as that goes, we all influence each other and we all learn and grow from each other, the interactions. And honestly, the biggest thing I'd say, too, is having a, a good degree of patience with a person. And Patience can go a long way. Learning how to humble yourself. And I think that's, uh, and I know like this is a podcast talking about, you know, the ego of the self, the sense of self-accomplishment, all of that, but end of the day you won't get anywhere unless you can communicate and negotiate with someone else and that they agree to you and that's just the bottom line of any society any social function any job that's good to know and also not selling yourself short too i feel like in the creative field it's easy to undervalue yourself because you need that work especially when you're first starting you're willing to do things for pennies or nothing Oh, yeah. because it's actually hard to find work whether you're being paid or not you know it's 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 i think you mentioned it once it's like it's a huge hustle it's a huge grind um it's almost like playing cat and mouse sometimes you know yeah. someone can dangle out a carrot or a piece of cheese and you reach for it but someone about 90 other people behind you reaching for the same thing you know what i mean so you got to stand out somehow yeah there's a maybe it's a bit of a derogatory term in the industry but like casting calls it can sometimes be called cattle calls just for that very reason where mm -hmm. oh yeah let's come here for the come here for our uh, little role here we'll pay you five bucks and then there's like 90 billion voice actors and it's for i don't know like a friggin minecraft dub or something or whatever not that i'm dissing that sort of thing but it's just like you kind of look at it as like hmm okay but as I said, bypass that. Use a little, have a little bit of balls, so to speak, and charisma, and approach someone directly. So I would say, uh, kind of combining the message here, uh, the two of us, you got to humble yourself, but you also got to be confident. That's the key thing: confidence, but humbleness, and that's the fine balance. Because if you're cocky and you're overly proud, well, yeah everyone's going to just look at you and they're going to be like, well, you know, your, uh, your, uh, shit still stinks, you know, and just like anyone else. And you could be the most, uh, diverse and charismatic 
uh, voice actor out there. But if you're going to be part of a team, you got to learn how to work as a team. You know what I mean? And nobody's going to want to work with you if you're an asshole. <laughs> eh, well, like you can get away with some things, but... Uh, I guess depending on where your, your your stature is in the industry, eh? I suppose that and just like people's tolerance for BS and whatever. It's like, <laughs> honestly, it's just like eventually with any sort of creative industry, you got to have a PhD in, in BS. That's what it comes down to. It's like <laughs> yeah. you got to be able to think on the spot. You got to be witty and you got to just like think on that and that's actually um there's one fun way i find to do that to kind of sharpen your skills uh, so to speak um one thing i've loved to do is uh pen and paper rpgs like dungeons and dragons um i mentioned a little bit earlier um just today i was hosting um saturdays or me days i was hosting a game called um only war which is a warhammer 40k um pen and paper rpg written by fantasy flight games uh i don't know if they continue to print it but there's pdfs out there if you want to obtain them i'll leave it at that and other things like that but um you know i was playing that with uh, a bunch of folks um the premise of that whole thing was that uh they're all a bunch of soldiers in what's called the Imperial Guard, and they're fighting these nasty, brutish aliens that are invading their world. And the Imperial Guard itself is a pretty draconian organization, too, so it's it's like a grim, dark campaign. It's kind of a pattern with me. A lot of stuff I do is kind of brutal. <laughs> really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but honestly, I'm just... Uh, as brutal as a lot of the content I do, I, I'm just a nerd who likes comfort a lot of the time. It's it's kind of funny like that. I don't know. What would you say you respond best to in terms of the roles you pick? Are you a selective? Is there a certain type of game that you gravitate towards and a certain type of character? Hmm. I try to diversify my roles a bit, but I definitely get cast typed for anything aggressive, anything militaristic. Anything that uh, makes uh, has to like shout and scream and do loud nonsense mostly, and sometimes um, I'll do like comedy stuff too. Um, uh, where like uh, Hunter the Parenting is a great example of that um, as an animation series, which um, I voice uh, one single character in that so far, but it's a very interesting character, kind of a morbid character too. The character known as simply as Horse. Horse. Horse, yes. Where um, he sort of uh, speaks with a deep sort of like, he's kind of like a scary character in a way, but like the context of which he's in is kind of funny. He's just this horse that's being taken care of by um, a family of uh, vampire hunters, basically, in the world of darkness setting. And Horse is... Um, an interesting role where he's got a little bit more to him than just being a horse needless to say um the fact that he can talk to certain people and he goes like um sort of like uh a voice sort of his very dark voice sort of like kind kindred all sorts of things voices like this that come out of nowhere very creepy nosferatu buzzword you know stuff like that right nice but yeah 
That's uh, yeah. If it's macabre, brutal, or like horror, I tend to love that sort of stuff because I don't know. I just I love writing for that sort of thing, and it's just uh, I don't know if you've been noticing, but I'm literally wearing like a wizard shirt right here, and uh, yeah, <laughs> nice. That's a good shirt. Yeah, my sister got it for me. Cool, man. That's cool. Yeah, um, I know. I don't think I've had enough work to necessarily say I've been typecasted, but the ones that I gravitate towards, I, I can definitely do roles like yours for sure. It seems easier to do because we both have powerful voices, so you can project easier. Like I did a, I voiced a, a character on this Lego batman series on youtube for this one guy that was looking for voices i voiced bane and and i asked him i was like do you which 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 bane voice do you want do you want tom hardy's voice in like the dark knight series with like christopher nolan's bane mm-hmm. we're like come on you're a batman you know or um do you want the arkham games batman who's like oh batman yeah. you're dead you know like like the the big titan formula mm-hmm. bane yeah, where, like, the difference between that is um, Tom Hardy is, like, a hardcore anarchist Winnie the Pooh, in a way. It's like, hmm, yes, I was going inside to find some honey, and I robbed the bank full of it, yes. And then the other one is, like, a Latin American, because right. it's, it's more original to the comics, the origin, where he's like, I am Bane, and I am strong, and I have muscles that are on my muscles, and all this sort of thing, right? Yeah. So good way to break that down, actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Winnie the Pooh. That's a good. That's a good comparison. <laughs> I, I'm not sure Tom Hardy will appreciate that comparison, but he's probably heard that a billion times, and oh, probably yeah, from too. way bigger people than me. So it was a different take too, and that's what I like about mm. roles: is you can give them different takes, make it your own, right? I just speak like from like a like a Hollywood standpoint, like an actor taking on a role, right? Like if it's like an iconic character, like there's a lot of pressure too if you take on an iconic character. I'm sure the same can be said for a voice actor too, right? Like there's a certain, like when you see uh, Mark Hamill, mm-hmm. right? Uh, he is synonymous with that of animated Joker, right? Mm-hmm. That and uh, Luke Skywalker, of course. But, right, mm-hmm. right. And then Kevin Conroy, he's synonymous with Batman, the voice of Batman and Bruce Wayne on the animated series. Yeah. Can you envision, if you're a hardcore DC fan, can you envision when you're watching those cartoons any other voice in that role? I mean, you give them a chance, of course, but I mean, you still always go back to like the, the legendary guys because that's the voice that you resonate with most, especially if you heard them as a kid. Mm-hmm. And then if you're a new guy coming into that role, it's almost like you're doomed, doomed from the start because people are going to always have that comparison and that judgment on you. And that's never going to amount to like what was. Yeah, the the weight of previous legacy on a character can be something that's a really hard thing to do. There's actually a really good example of that in the industry, and it's from something that has pervasively um, infiltrated all of our minds, especially for our generation and younger. Shrek. And I'm serious on this. Um, Shrek was originally supposed to be casted by Chris Farley, who was a lovable comedian. I think I heard that, yeah. Chris Farley had an untimely demise. Very sad thing. So Mike Myers, when he adopted the role, he said, I can't do what Chris Farley was going to do. And there's clips on YouTube, actually, on Chris Farley's recordings. He has a much more down-to-earth, almost like a, a spurned teenager or young man sort of voice to it. 
where the whole identity of Shrek was very different. And then that's the thing about uh, a role where obviously Shrek didn't have as much of a legacy as the comparisons that we're making with DC, but like as far as that goes, um, reinventing a whole character, I feel that's a necessary thing for a voice actor or an actor to do. And mind you, the comment I made about Tom Hardy was more tongue-in-cheek. I do actually like his sort of like... Oh, yes, I'm going to point out everything wrong with society, and then I'm going to bring it down. Sort of thing. Yeah, like. of course. Yeah, totally. But, um, and the recent Batman movie was, was freaking baller. I saw that one where, um, I forget the name of the feller, but he was in the, uh, Twilight, uh, films or whatever. Uh, Edward, uh, not Edward and Cullen, that's his name in the Twilight series, but, uh, Robert Pattinson. Yes, that's it. <laughs> yeah, he did a phenomenal job as batman i think yeah you and, liked it too me oh too. yeah no it was well done the whole set design everything about it like the caricatures and i like the way they took the riddler too um different but cool yeah no like i i think that um it's okay to break the mold sometimes and honestly if you're a new actor like unless you really want to get into impressions acting which is valid in its own way you got to put your own spin on to it. You got to take a role and you got to embrace it. You got to mold it. You got to, you know, like uh, I could just Bane post here all day. And it's like, I was molded in it, formed by it. You merely adopted it. And I was uh, eating the sandwiches before you even knew what peanut butter was. <laughs> you know, just all sorts of things like that. I didn't even I, I did, we didn't even talk about you doing a couple of voices actually on air so you kind of beat me to it I love it like that's gonna really bring this together man so keep mm-hmm. firing away <laughs> yeah, definitely but um heck uh as far as uh, voices go um just back to D and D there and stuff probably the greatest way for an actor to train is doing stuff like that or like local theater groups some people do but for me it's being a nerd and hosting like rpg campaigns and pushing people through leagues of nonsense and like shenanigans mostly and um i fill up a lot of my schedule with stuff like that and uh playing games um uh shedding the bed with the dice um that's a very common thing um i'm kind of like a luck vampire though where um if I'm a GM, like a host of a game, and I'm running it, I will suck out all the luck from all of the players, and my rolls will be really good for whatever reason. But if I'm a player, my rolls are just forever crap. <laughs> and it's like, it's there's some sort of cosmic justice in there. I'm I'm not sure what, but yeah, that's as much as I'll say on that. But um, well, that's cool, man. Yeah. Um, what kind of advice? If there was somebody listening to the podcast right now, younger guy, doesn't have any information about the industry whatsoever, essentially, doesn't know where to begin, what would be the most uh, prudent advice you could give him right now if he's breaking in as a voice actor? Hmm. That's a good question because the industry is very saturated now, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest thing is that, um, first off, you got to know different social medias and navigating it um dealing with people on that Um, we talked about social interactions and all sorts of things already 
there are things you need to watch out for. Um, some projects are just not worth your time because the people running them are sketch. I remember when I first was uh, helping this guy right here, uh, you encountered some characters, needless to say. I'm almost kind of curious what uh, <laughs> sort of things you encountered uh, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, they would have sometimes like a, like a virtual chat room and stuff because like, it would be like the most easy way to like discuss it because some of these projects had multiple people like an audiobook for example you know how you some people like bring a project together to have like an audiobook mm-hmm. and like act it out with each line with every character and it's like usually like an ensemble of characters uh but i mean there was just odd people in there you know not not to judge or anything like that because like, everybody's weird it's just you encounter a lot of different personalities there's all sorts of applications for voice acting and i i think um on that note just to kind of delve deeper into the question you got to know the social groups that you're interacting with what their personalities are you gotta kind of scope that out it's a little bit at least for me a little bit tactical a little bit strategic where okay these people um like uh these people are doing a mod but maybe they got some weird political pl- opinions you got to be a little bit wary about. Or maybe even, and I won't deny this, but there's been people where, like, more NSFW-type stuff, not safe for work, you know? If you delve into that and you go into the more, you know, pornographic industries, whatever, like, no judgment, but you'll encounter all sorts of people in that sort of environment. Some are cool, some not so cool. But end of the day, you need to adjust your tactics. You need to approach these people, and you need to um, you need to know how to use tact, and you need to also know when to put your boundaries down too. Because the last thing you want to do is tie yourself to a project that you just don't want to be in. If you're not enjoying the role, you need to n- learn how to say no. You need to learn how to stand up for yourself and. That's a big problem I see with voice actors, especially new ones. They'll go into a project, and then they'll be worked uh, like mules, basically. And this isn't limited to just voice acting any job, really. It's a big problem. But Maybe I've, maybe keeping an eye, on, an eye on the legalities as well, too, because some of these projects require you to probably sign a contract of some kind or any type of disclosure, right? So definitely. you need to watch your ass, essentially. Oh, yeah. You got to watch um, what you say. You have to watch uh, different things like that. I, I make it sound like it's working for a secret service or whatever, and it kind of is, kind of isn't. Like NDAs are kind of like a weird ball game where some are just arbitrarily slapped there, but then some, if you're actually involved in development, they don't want the curtains open too early, so to speak. You have to respect that. And above all, I would say act with a sense of professionalism treat the job seriously just like you would any other if you work at uh, tim hortons for example which i did at one point you make sure that you fill those coffee pots correctly you make sure that you have the right mix you make sure you clean the floors properly you make sure that everything is done thoroughly don't half-ass a job whole asset and it's the same thing with voice acting if you have a client that expects you to splice lines um cutting them up so to speak and they give you a due date you try your best to do that due date granted if they're underpaying you then you should talk to them about it and if they're not um, 
calcitrant to uh, like um, you know approachable on this matter maybe you should be asking yourself are these people healthy to work for because you know it's just like any other job workplace rights and workplace health even workplace democracy is an important thing and it's an important facet that's becoming more prevalent in every single industry but especially voice acting because it's a very big frontier and it it's a good point to bring up too because if you work for a company a lot of those companies already have those policies in place but if you're a freelancer you need to have like your own policies for yourself yeah right there's there's a few routes you can go towards voice acting too like i went the f the free spirit sort of anarchistic route of um applying to projects and approaching people and saying kind of I, I reckon you kind of did the same thing too eh yep. yeah like some people they can fly with that but some people they want organization they want steadfastness and i would recommend joining a voice acting union there's plenty of them about companies will usually hire them wholesale you'll have to approach the specific unions or whatever but um they will secure your jobs the only catch is is that you don't always have complete say in what you voice act for um but if you want to make a living off of voice acting that's not a bad route if you want to be more of a free spirit and you want to just treat it as a hobby or you want to kind of just carve your own path and you know just be a wild boog you know do what we're doing but there's uh, more than one way to crack an egg so to speak and cook it but and uh, no way is less any less valid really very true and i i used to be obsessed uh when i was um, in my earlier 20s um, with with people's career paths to a T, exactly how they did it. Mm. And my naive self is like, oh yeah, I'm going to do the exact same thing. It's going to go step by step by step. I'm just going to visualize every single thing that they did to get to that point, and I'm going to be just like them. But you know, it doesn't work out that way. You have to still carve your own path. You need to make your own bones. Yeah, and speaking of bones, it's just like, you know, like, even end of the day, you gotta just accept this fact sometimes where, like, you might work, you know, like, when I was young, I was poor, but after years of hard work, I am no longer young, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's just like, and that's just the thing, right, where you might not be, the thing about voice acting in reality, and this is why you need to diversify, is that you're not really going to make a lot of money. You're going to make, like, some bank here and there. If you're smart, you'll get some good deals. If you somehow land a royalty, you're, you are hitting the, uh, the goddamn jackpot in that case. But um, as far as that goes, it's hard to obtain. But the thing that you can do is diversify. Use your diverse skills. So if you know how to play guitar, for example... Or if you know how to draw or paint or do digital stuff or even if it's just editing lines, like editing audio or making Foley, for example. Like you make sound effects by banging a pot together or like crunching lettuce in your hands or something for those crunchy bone snapping sounds, right? Any sort of thing that you can kind of think up of and then you can offer your skills and talents that will give you much more leeway and leverage into a project because they're going to look at you. Oh, he's not, he or she's not just a voice actor. They're this and this and this too. And then they kind of like, ah, oh, you're kind of like a jack of all trades in a way I can use you for a lot of different things. 
and that's where the usefulness comes in and that's where you sh where if you have something you can capitalize on do it and the biggest thing for a newbie voice actor any voice actor really have initiative you got to seize it you got to go up there you got to make sure that you approach these people and even if you get rejected do it again with a different project this guy keep doing it it's almost like dating in a way um not that I'm um, promoting like speed dating necessarily or against it. Just, you know, you, you got to just approach people, talk to them, right? Simple as that. You need to have some level of confidence. You don't need to be arrogant. You just need to be comfortable in your own skin and, and be a huge believer in the tools that you have and the tools that you can learn along the way. Yeah, absolutely. The only other thing I would probably say um, for a newbie voice actor um, to avoid um things to look out for take care of your health that's always a given but like especially anything with lungs i would probably say um if you do any substances try to do them a little bit more discreetly keep it to ingested stuff um uh mitigate smoking obviously um because unless you're trying to burn out your vocal cords and your lungs and stuff and sound like we're like Hi, my name is uh, Smokey the Bear, and I've smoked 19 packs a day. And, like, you can do that sort of thing, but, like, eventually your vocal cords are going to wear out. And another thing, too, is that when you're recording, just know when to stop. Like, there's a lot of people where, um, I remember Zane here, actually, um, first few projects, and I did the same thing, too, where you'll get your first few projects, and then you'll want to bust ass and get those things in, and that's good. That's good to have work ethic, but don't overstrain your vocals. Don't overstrain your throat. If it starts to hurt, stop. Go rest. Have a nap. Go outside for a bit. Eat a sandwich. Have some tea. Yeah, tea's great. Tea is absolutely great. And, yeah, you should stay hydrated all the time. Speaking of which, I probably should get some more water at some point. But like, Yeah, we're getting close to the wrap-up here, so we'll yeah. make sure we get some H2O into your throat there so you can belt off some more lines before you go absolutely yeah <laughs> and like yeah hydration is important drink water especially with ice if you can iced water is just have you had that feeling where you almost like blew your your cords oh yeah definitely it's I, scary i had that once like that wasn't with voice acting that was with with uh with uh, singing with a project i was doing with, with my buddies scary yeah like it's weird you when you try to talk it's like so faint it's so it feels so damaged you're, you're just like oh my gosh like i can't talk anymore it sounds like a gas leak is when it ha when it happens it's like hey guys I'm, uh, my voice is sounding like shit and, and i it, need to take a break <laughs> and it feels heavy too like it's like there's like a weight in there it's it's just, it's it's just not it's risky yeah no and like the one thing you got in this life is your body really mm -hmm. all the material goods you got all the shirts all the whatever and the other day you're a walking flash sack and you got to take care of that flash sack and if you don't do it then it's going to look like a crap sack at the end of the day and no one wants to be a crap sack no 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 we want to be a reusable plastic sack yeah maybe if that came out wrong sorry <laughs> okay yeah. sure okay <laughs> um oh kai um remember that um that device that you had me make because um, we I don't have a soundproof room and mm -hmm. when you're doing a voice acting role you need a good audio mm -hmm. and what helps is having like a insulated area to capture 
every reverberation of your voice. Yeah. That little contraption you had me build. Can you just walk that through the audience? Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> it's a good point he brings up here with uh, voice acting quality. Um, if you want to be serious with voice acting, yeah, you can get the most expensive mic in the in the goddamn room. You can get the absolute elephant of a mic that costs you whatever, or even the cheaper mics. It doesn't matter. Point being is that you need to worry about your recording environment. Um, specifically, uh, having uh, if you're just starting out, get like a cardboard box. I don't know, maybe like you see this microphone right here. You'd probably want to go like yay big box like that. You get some bumpy foam paneling, maybe like a rollout thing from Walla, uh, Wally Mart or whatever, or um, egg cartons, anything that's bumpy. Because think of sound like this. It's an ocean wave. It's coming right at you, and you have two options. You can have a flat beach, and that wave is just going to go on and on and on and on. And in terms of sound, that's reverb and other crap. And maybe there's like other stuff in the background that's affecting it. Or you could have jagged rocks. The wave hits it, and then it just psh, hits it. And it's the same concept with foam and paneling and our stuff. If you don't have that, an alternative, too, is this. If you have a good closet with some clothes hanging up or whatever, a nice contained environment because you don't want the sound to bounce off of different types of uh, surfaces. You want to mitigate that. If you do that and you mitigate sound disturbance in your environment and you make it very um, contained reduce reverb reduce background noise you're going to stand up above um, a lot of other newbie VAs because they'll be recording um, uh, different things and another thing too with the microphones I would say avoid headsets like gaming microphones those are great for streaming those are great for comfort but you probably should get like a stand-up microphone like this one, like what Zane's carrying even. Um, Samsung. Yeah, Samsung's a great brand. Audio-Technica is a great brand. There's all sorts, and as stated, there's more than one way to cook an egg. I prefer scrambled myself, but um, like for me, I use an Audio-Technica 4040 microphone and a Scarlett Focusrite interface, and Zane here is using a beautiful Focusrite as well. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> So, condenser microphones I find to uh, respond the best to in terms of voice quality. So, um, if there's any kind of condenser microphone you can find on Amazon or something or at your local store, I would take a look at it at least just just to see it as an option. Yeah, absolutely. And USB mics are okay for starting out too, or for more portable recording. Like my Blue Yeti when I was starting was just a USB mic that you plugged in, cardioid. But um, once you get kind of advanced into things and you start taking things uh, more seriously maybe turning in this into a profession or a more serious hobby whatever you wish to the mentality you're going into it xlr cable microphones um as uh, zane pointed out those are usually the industry standard um they have the highest voltage uh to support higher uh, degrees of audio quality um and uh Generally speaking, um, that's probably the biggest advice I can give, other than maybe um, microphone distance. Uh, mm -hmm. 
I was kind of doing some audio sins just in this uh, recording here, and you might have seen Zane reach for the dial, right, just to adjust. <laughs> but it's always a good idea, depending on how loud you're speaking, keep things consistent with lines. Um, you can vary lines and whatever, but, like, for whatever you're recording for, you keep an appropriate distance with the microphone. You might notice where, like, I'm keeping... Um, maybe like say two fists were from the microphone for quiet speaking like this if i was yelling you know i'd probably speak a little bit louder but you know this is a more kind of comfortable audio level when i'm speaking louder and if i'm speaking really quiet some asmr deep fried bullshit i get <laughs> right close up to the microphone like this that's uh, generally speaking, you gotta just adjust yourself um, the distance to the microphone, and um, generally speaking, get a pop filter like this. You can get ones that extend out and cover in front, um, different things. And if you're on a budget, no one's gonna like. Here's the thing: your setup can look jank as all hell. The client ain't gonna see it as long as it works. What's that? styrofoamy stuff that you had me buy to have that soundproof insulated cardboard box and like the egg cartons yeah it was it was like just honestly just bumpy mattress foam yeah. seriously like just anything works really like that's a walmart too you can find that somewhere in the like utility section bucks. like um yeah like it's just like one of those roll out like mattresses that we chopped up and that was like the first sort of thing and like it's it was like salvaging stuff is no problem it does it seem ultra professional yeah, whatever but like if it does the same job as like the 70 dollar panels and crap it's like who cares the client's not going to know the difference because it's going to sound crisp by the way if you set it up correctly that said um just you know clean the crap first obviously if it's salvaged just you know but that said like my first booths looked jank they were really uh, ghetto looking but they did the job and it got me money and it got me paid and that's the definition of a professional right is getting paid so the dirty days <laughs> every day is a dirty day honestly <laughs> oh, cool man well kai we better get your water um time to wrap up here and once again i, I really appreciate you coming onto the show i think we had a really interesting conversation we got into pretty much everything i wanted to get into today um, I really appreciate you um, divulging your uh, knowledge and expertise to the audience. Mm. Um, it's really good to have people of different industries um, come on and share their knowledge with people, regardless of what your interests are. It's just good to learn something new. And uh, I appreciate that, Kai. Any parting words you'd like to say? Hmm. Eh, not too much, really, other than just um, thanks for listening, folks. And um, yeah. Keep checking out Zane's podcast. He's doing some pretty cool shit. He's talking to some cool people. Um, he's you know, he's doing the do. And as far as uh, other things, just adapt, survive, and be open to new things. Simple as that. And another reminder, guys, check out Negative Atmospheres uh, teaser trailer on YouTube. What what's the handle it's on? Like the 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 channel. Um, I think it's this negative atmosphere. Uh, it's got its own channel. Okay. Yep. I'll also link Hunter the Parenting too, and a couple other animation series. You should check those out as well. Um, really talented people. Uh, the artists do a phenomenal job. Uh, 
um yeah and the vas and yeah it's just a it's just a good series it's really good you should check it out yeah we are going to have a ton of links that kai is going to provide me as he said um within the episode descriptions and the uh, promotional posts when this episode drops so stay tuned for that and you'll also be able to see kai's website as well so once again everybody uh thanks again for tuning in on this episode kai thank you once again for joining us today i'm sure we'll have you on again with more things to talk about in the future uh, a reminder to follow us on all of our platforms on social media anywhere that there's audio we're there give us a rating and uh, subscribe to us as well and we're on youtube as well too so i'm your host zane tomich we'll see you again next time